You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, October 2nd, and I'm here with a quick 15, 20-minute recap of number three, Ohio State's 49-10 win over Rutgers yesterday afternoon in the horseshoe. Now, the Buckeyes spotted the Scarlet Knights an early 7-0 lead after a muffed punt by Emeka Buka gave Rutgers the ball first and 10 at the Ohio State 18-yard line. Three plays later, Evan Simon would hit Sean Ryan for a 14-yard touchdown pass to give Rutgers its first lead ever in a football game against Ohio State. That's right. In their previous eight matchups, Rutgers never held a lead over Ohio State in any of those games. So right off the bat, things got a little interesting. But sadly for the Scarlet Knights, that lead would be short-lived. After a failed attempt to surprise the Buckeyes with an onside kick on the ensuing kickoff, Ohio State took possession at the Rutgers' 48-yard line, and five plays later, Mayan Williams would score the first of his five rushing touchdowns on the day to tie the game at seven, and that would start a 28-zip run by the Buckeyes. Ohio State would outscore Rutgers 49-3 the rest of the way, and we had ourselves another laugher. And, you know, look, this has just become kind of a pointless annual tradition for the Buckeyes of just beating the snot out of Rutgers. Now, the most interesting moment in the game came with 8.59 to play in the fourth quarter. The Buckeyes leading 49-10, to when instead of punting the ball away to Rutgers, Jesse Mirko takes off for a 22-yard run, giving the Buckeyes a fresh set of downs at the Rutgers 39-yard line. At the end of the play, out of frustration, return man Aaron Cruikshank was flagged for a late hit out of bounds on Mirko along the Ohio State sidelines. Tempers would flare, benches would clear, and Rutgers head coach Greg Schiano would run across the field and get into a shouting match with Ryan Day. The two coaches had to be pulled apart, both of them pointing and shouting at one another. Now, Ohio State fans will remember there's some history between these two. Shiano and Day were both on Urban Meyer's coaching staff from 2017 to 2018. Day was the offensive coordinator. Shiano was the defensive coordinator. And Ohio State fans will remember that when Day took over as head coach in 2019, he elected not to retain Shiano as defensive coordinator. In the postgame, Day downplayed the incident, saying both coaches got caught up in the moment trying to defend their players. And that was, quite frankly, really the only, I don't know, sizzle in an otherwise dull Buckeye blowout win. For the second straight game, Jackson Smith and Jigba did not play. Now, that was not a surprise. I don't think anybody was expecting JSN to play. He's still nursing that hamstring injury. Travion Henderson, however, turned out to be a late scratch after re-aggravating whatever it is that's been bothering him in the pregame warmups. We think we think he's dealing with some kind of a foot or ankle injury. On defense, starting cornerback Cam Brown was also held out for the second game in a row. And look, you know, it is what it is with Brown. You know, given his injury history, I don't think any of us expected him to play a full season. So the Buckeyes continue to be shorthanded, but so far they have not been made to really pay for that, thankfully. So let me turn quickly to my handful of takeaways from this game. First, let's start with C.J. Stroud in the Ohio State passing game. It was not Stroud's best performance yesterday. 
And Ryan Day mentioned in the postgame that Rutgers had a little bit to do with that. They played most of the day with two high safeties on defense. And on offense, they really tried to play keep away from the Ohio State offense by huddling and running the play clock down to five or six seconds before snapping the ball. So Greg Schiano's strategy for this game was to take away the vertical passing game with that two high safety look. And then on offense, just try to play keep away from the Ohio State offense by really running clock. Stroud finished the afternoon 13 to 22 for 154 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, which by the way, he threw into quadruple coverage at the start of the third quarter. I thought, you know, that was a rare moment of frustration from Stroud. That's not a throw you'll see him make when he's really, you know, locked in. And, you know, Stroud wasn't particularly sharp in the second half against Wisconsin last week either after the Badgers made probably some of the same adjustments that Rutgers did, you know, taking away the, the vertical passing game. Interestingly, I thought, you know, in spite of the 49 points Ohio State was able to score, I thought yesterday might have been the first time since the Notre Dame game that the offense kind of missed Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, with JSN, there are still big plays available to Stroud on those underneath throws because JSN has the ability to turn a 10-yard curl into a 65-yard touchdown run. Now, Stroud did have two gorgeous touchdown passes yesterday, a 36-yarder over the top to Julian Fleming and a four-yard laser beam to Marvin Harrison Jr. in the third quarter. Now, that gives that gives Stroud seven touchdown passes in his last two games. So while he wasn't you know up to his usual standard yesterday, yeah, I'm not worried in the least about the Ohio State passing game. I think Stroud's going to be just fine. There's good reason to, to you know trust his track record, good reason to trust Ryan Day's track record. And look, if defenses are going to play with two high safeties all game and let the Ohio State run game go berserk, that's fine by me. And that, should, that certainly should be fine by Ryan Day. So that brings me to my next takeaway. With Travion Henderson out again, which as one of his biggest fans was a pretty big disappointment for me personally, How about Mayan Williams tying the school record with five rushing touchdowns yesterday? Now, on the day, Williams finished with 189 yards on 21 carries, averaging nine yards a pop. Last week, I called Williams the best second back in America. And I've been pretty steadfast in my belief that Henderson should be the lead back in this Ohio State offense. But hey, I got to admit, Williams is looking every bit the part of a number one back right now. Nine yards a carry yesterday. He averaged nine yards a carry last week against Wisconsin. He scored seven touchdowns in his last two games. At 100 other schools, maybe 110 other schools, Mayan Williams is your number one back. And hell, I don't know. Maybe he should be RB1 at Ohio State now too. To me, why uh, Williams looks like Carlos Hyde 2.0. I, I, I think that's the closest, the closest uh, comparison I can think of is Carlos Hyde. I don't know what more you can ask of him. He's doing everything. I think he's even been very good in pass blocking situations. He's a decent receiver out of the backfield, as you remember, you know, with the big catch he had against Notre Dame and the late going of that game. And if Henderson can't stay on the damn field, I mean, maybe Williams should be the bell cow. And maybe Henderson should be the change of pace back. You know, maybe they sprinkle in a few carries for him in between the tackles, try to use him more on the perimeter, maybe even more in the passing game. Maybe Williams should be the lead back. I don't know. I can't believe I'm saying this, and I'm sure PBH must be loving this because he's been on the Williams train from the beginning. But, you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. Williams has played about as well as, you know, as any back in the country. 
on defense, I love the play of linebacker Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. I mean, I I love good linebacker play as a diehard Ohio State fan. I think most Ohio State fans will tell you we, you know, dominant linebacker play should always be a part of our defense. Chambers and Eichenberg combined for 20 tackles and two tackles for loss yesterday. Now, many of those tackles were at or near the line of scrimmage. And I love what I saw out of Chambers on the perimeter. He made several plays on the perimeter after Rutgers ball carriers bounced it outside and looked to be on their way to big gains, you know, around the edge, around the corner. Chambers used his speed to snuff out those plays. I was very, very impressed by that. Uh, He also had an interception off of a deflection by Zach Harrison. Chambers finished the game as Ohio State's top graded defender, according to PFF, with a grade of 80. He also finished with a team high grade for tackling of 85.2. Eichenberg was Ohio State's third highest graded defender on the day, and he received a team high grade of 81 against the run. I think you can credit both players for putting in the work to get better during this offseason, obviously. But Jim Knowles has completely transformed that linebacker room. And the other thing is, you know, and I mentioned this in the preview pod, Chambers and Eichenberg, two perfect examples of of guys who were rotational players last year and have evolved into major, major contributors this year. And that's a big reason why this defense, as of today, is officially a top 10 defense. That's right. The Buckeyes are now 10th nationally in total defense. And I expect they will continue to climb in that ranking and in many other defensive metrics as we move deeper into the schedule. I also loved what I saw out of defensive end Zach Harrison. It's been kind of a quiet season for Harrison so far, but yesterday Harrison forced a first quarter fumble on Evan Simon, then later deflected a Simon pass in the third quarter that was intercepted by Steel Chambers. Harrison, you know, yesterday seemed to really thrive playing on the inside in Ohio State's Rushman package. A lot of the really smart football guys that I read and listen to have actually been saying this for a couple of years now. They've been clamoring for Harrison to get more snaps inside. I think it's because his length and his athleticism is a really tough matchup for the interior of most offensive lines. And I think Ohio State, you know, with Harrison and Mike Hall Jr. playing on the inside and JT Tui Maloa and Jack Sawyer at the ends, I think they have something there. I think they've got a pretty effective pass rush package there that I'd actually like to see a little more of. I feel like I'd like to see that look, you know, in non-throwing situations as well. I feel like they can play that that four a lot more often than they do. Hell, maybe they even start those four. I really like that combination along the defensive line. Again, that's Harrison, Mike Hall Jr. on the interior and JT Tui Malowau and Jack Sawyer at the ends. I said in the preview pod on Wednesday that I would be looking for improved play from Ohio State's young cornerbacks in this game. And it was unfortunately a bit of a mixed bag against, let's face it, one of the worst passing offenses in the FBS. Denzel Burke and J.K. Johnson started at corner and they played all the meaningful snaps in this game. They both they both logged 50 snaps before giving way to reserves in the fourth quarter. Denzel Burke, I'm sorry to say it was a disaster once again. He was beat by Sean Ryan for Rutgers' only touchdown of the game, a 14-yarder in the corner of the end zone on what was really frustrating about third and six. I mean, Ohio State had Rutgers in a third and long situation. And Burke looked like he couldn't even find the football on the play. And it didn't even really look like he was giving all that much effort. He just didn't seem to really compete on the play, which was frustrating. And then later in the game, in the third quarter, Burke was beaten again by Ryan for a 26-yard completion on Rutgers' only other scoring drive of the game. Of the 29 Buckeye defensive players who logged snaps yesterday, 
Burke finished dead last, according to PFF, with a grade of 51.1. He was also the Buckeyes' worst defender in coverage, according to PFF, with a grade of 48.1. And now you have to wonder, when Cam Brown does eventually return to the lineup, where Burke will fit into the rotation. Because J.K. Johnson seems to be settling in at that other corner spot very nicely right now. Yesterday, Johnson finished with a solid overall grade of 71.4. He received the team's third highest grade for coverage with a grade of 70.6. He also graded out really well against the run, 67, and in tackling with a 74.2. By the way, Johnson, very good tackler. That that is an area that according to PFF, Johnson has graded out very well all season long. In the four games he's played, he's graded 74 or higher in tackling. And Johnson is starting to really kind of rack up the snaps too. This was the third game of 50 or more snaps for Johnson. So he's starting to really accumulate some real experience. I'm just not sure there's going to be playing time for Denzel Burke when Cam Brown comes back. I think Cam Brown's your starter at that one corner spot. And, you know, I think Tim Walton has to think about starting J.K. Johnson at the other spot. We know Walton doesn't like to rotate a ton of corner. So I don't know how much playing time there's going to be for Denzel Burke moving forward. And and I just don't know that Walton can afford to wait much longer on Burke. I mean, we're almost at the midway point of the season and Burke looks almost unplayable right now. I mean, it's just not getting any better for him. I think if you were an Ohio State fan who last year was very frustrated with a lousy, substandard, leaky defense and an offense that couldn't always run the ball when it really needed to, then you had to be pretty pleased with this outcome. 187 yards of total offense for Rutgers yesterday, 252 yards rushing and 7.4 yards per carry for the Ohio State running game. If as an opposing defense, you're going to play with two high safeties to keep Stroud and the Buckeye receivers from beating you, then you're going to get killed by the Ohio State ground game. That's what happened in the opener against Notre Dame. Now, we've seen it the last three weeks against Toledo, Wisconsin, and Rutgers. Yesterday was the third straight game. Ohio State went over 250 yards on the ground. And now the Buckeyes are 11th nationally in rushing offense. So the new AP rankings are out. Ohio State holds at number three. Personally, I was a little surprised by that because I think they have a very strong case to be number one right now. But Alabama is your new number one after Georgia had to rally from a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit to eke out a win over Missouri yesterday. It was the Bulldogs' second consecutive lackluster performance uh, against an overmatched opponent the week before they struggled against Kent State at home. Now, look, I didn't think Bama was all that impressive yesterday either. I, I know Bryce Young got hurt uh, in that game against Arkansas, and Nick Saban had to turn to a backup quarterback to finish the game. But the Tide nearly blew a 28-zip lead over the Razorbacks, who came all the way back to cut the deficit to 28-23 going into the fourth quarter before Bama pulled away late. Now, the Buckeyes did pick up a few more first-place votes. They're up to 10 first-place votes in the AP poll right now. Michigan remains at number four after a 27-14 win on the road over Iowa. Now, I watched most of that game, and uh, trust me, the Hawkeye offense was as bad as advertised. But, you know, I wasn't overly impressed with the Iowa defense either. That, to me, seemed like a game Michigan should have won more comfortably than it did. And it, quite frankly, got a little dicey for the Wolverines in the fourth quarter of that game. Now, they jumped out to a 20 nothing lead early in the third quarter. But then the Michigan offense kind of went in the tank. They went three and out on three straight possessions. 
The Hawkeyes gained a little bit of momentum. They scored to make it 20 to 7. They got the ball right back on a three and out. But, uh, you know, unfortunately for the Hawkeyes, the utter incompetence of their offense would eventually rear its ugly head. This was midway through the fourth quarter with Michigan up 20 to 7. The Hawkeyes had three cracks inside the Michigan 10 yard line to either get a first down or score and just couldn't convert. On fourth and two, Spencer Petrus had his tight end wide open for what should have been at least a first down. And Petrus ends up throwing the ball a yard short of the marker into the turf. Look, if Iowa scores there, I mean, it's a ball game and who knows what happens. I think against a competent offense, yeah, I'm not sure Michigan hangs on to win that game. So, you know, I continue to wonder just how good Michigan actually is. Jim Harbaugh doesn't seem to be asking too much of J.J. McCarthy right now. A lot of safe throws by McCarthy yesterday. They don't really ask him to throw over the middle. He took a couple deep shots, but they're not really asking him to do much. It, it looks like a very familiar Jim Harbaugh formula on offense. He's really leaning on his run game with Blake Corm. You know, that's always been Harbaugh's security blanket, the run game. And I don't really know how good the Michigan defense really is. I mean, they faced one competent offense so far. That was Maryland last week. And Maryland really pushed them in Ann Arbor. That was a good football game uh, well into the fourth quarter. And, you know, I just don't really think all that much of the Terps. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure how good Michigan really is. At this age, I would not put them in the same class as last year's Michigan team. One last observation before I let you go. Has the Big Ten West been more of a clusterfuck than it is right now? I mean, the entire division, except for Wisconsin, is one and one right now in conference play. Minnesota, who was everyone's pick to win the division last week, face-planted at home against Purdue. They lose by double digits to the Boilermakers in Minneapolis. Wisconsin gets its doors blown off in Madison by Illinois. So now is Illinois the best team in that division? I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. How is Northwestern at one and four on a four-game losing streak sitting atop that division? And the dumpster fire that is Nebraska with an interim head coach is still very much alive in that division. Oh, man, what a mess. Anyway, I have no idea who's good in the Big Ten West. That'll be very interesting <laughs> to watch to watch that race this year. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Look for another pod later this week with Paige, Chad, and myself. We'll have a look at Ohio State's next opponent, the reeling Michigan State Spartans. Oh, my goodness. That will also be the Buckeyes' first road test of the season. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.